You're listening to the Pines Church Podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. I do want to highlight that, that if you would pray about what you would want to sow into that, there are so many um, that are already in need in our community, and a little bit goes a long way. Many hands make light work, and if we're all willing to chip in a little bit, we can meet the needs of many people um, that are in need uh, this winter. And heat is a big one because the prices are high, and we're not going to get into the reasons of why, but they are. Um, I'm excited to be with you. I know I wasn't here with you last week, uh, and uh, we are here for the rest of the, the year. And I'm excited about the message that the Lord has given to me. And I just need to prep you with this. This is going to be a real one, okay? So I'm going to get a little bit all up in your business, um, but I'm also getting all up in my business. But these are questions that we should be asking ourselves. And I'm going to invite you um, to kind of put down the church masks that sometimes we wear and the projected images. Like, you ever notice how it's just routine when somebody says, how are, you, how, how are things going? How are you doing? Good, right? You just say good. It's route, it's routine, it's just the way that we communicate. But most of us aren't honest and to, to say that things are really hard or I'm struggling in this area. And I've, I've said this many times, honesty is the currency of growth. Meaning if you're not honest with yourself, then you're not going to be able to grow. And so we can read the Bible all day long, but if we're not honest with where we're at, then we're never going to be able to apply it, right? Because we, we, we're, we live under this um, projected image that everything is okay. And I noticed that as we head into this Thanksgiving, Christmas season, this is a time that many of us begin to think about the goals that we're going to set for the upcoming year. I'm going to have a six-pack. I'm going to save $5,000. Uh, Celtics are going to win the, the, the NBA championship, even though I have absolutely no bearing on that whatsoever. But we set these goals, right, of things that we're believing for in the upcoming year. And I think that's a really good thing. I think it's a healthy thing, and I, I want to encourage you to continue to do it. However, um, as we do that, we have to take an inventory of maybe things that are taking up space in our lives, maybe things that are preventing us from reaching those goals. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. We hear a lot in, you know, these in psychology today and kind of the the ethos of our world, uh, this idea of self-awareness, right? And self-awareness is extremely important. But what I want to talk to you about today is entering into a godly awareness. But to open that up, I want to share a quote that I came across from Marianne Williamson. And she said this, it takes courage to endure the sharp pains of self-discovery rather than to choose to take the dull pain of unconsciousness that would last the rest of our lives. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to see that most of us uh, Americans numb ourselves with technology and with media. It used to be that the average person spent four to five hours watching television. And interestingly enough, with the dawn of the internet and social media, those numbers didn't actually change. But what changed was the amount of time that we spent on social media and on streaming platforms. So television still consumes around four to five hours of the average American's life. But now, so does, in addition to those four to five hours, our social media consumption or streaming consumption on our devices. So if you just... 
I'm not a math major, but if you spend around eight hours a day, like just consuming media, right? And you're supposed to be working eight hours a day and then you get four, we're already at 16 hours, you sleep eight hours, like something's off. We're, we're glued to numbing ourselves from the reality that's all around us. And that can be a blind spot for many of us. And those things don't change. Those statistics and those numbers don't change unless we do something about it. And we're honest with our own consumption. The Bible says in Job 9.25, My days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without a glimpse of joy. Have you ever felt like that? Especially when it gets dark at 3.30. You're like, all I do is get up in this dark and then I work. I give, the, you know, I give the man my eight hours. And then when I get out of work, it's dark and there's no joy uh, available to me. And that's when we become a slave to our calendar. We become a slave to all of, you know, the, the things that are vying for our attention. Paul takes it to another level and he tells us that this life is but a vapor. The 90, 100 years, 120 years that we're going to spend on this planet compared to eternity is like a second. And I know that, you know, when we're in our 20s, we think that we have forever to live. And then when we're in our 30s, we start to become a little bit aware. 40s, we start to get it. But the reality is that life goes by pretty darn quick. And so we cannot afford to wait until to kick the can forward of, I'll make those changes next year. I'll make those changes when I'm in my 30s. I'll make those changes when I'm in our 40s. We have to take an honest assessment of ourselves to recognize that, look, our life is very short on this earth. And we want to make it count for eternity. We want to have a godly awareness that what we're doing each and every single day is moving the needle for the kingdom of God, because that is what truly matters. I know the world would love to get you to focus in on, you need a bigger car. You need, you know, cooler shoes. You know, you need this and you need that. But all those things are going to be gone in 20, no one's even going to remember those things in 20 years from now. But what we do with eternity, it matters. It holds weight. In fact, the Bible says that as believers at the white throne judgment, we will give an account of the way we chose to live our lives and that our works, what we did is going to be judged. And the things that we did for the kingdom of God will be refined like gold and silver. It actually says we'll receive eternal rewards when we get to heaven. And the things that we did for the world that were just burned, that were empty, will be burned like hay or straw. And then it goes on to say that some will make it into heaven yet as through fire, having everything they done burned up. Now this shouldn't scare you, but it should make you sober. It should, it should make you sober minded and saying, you know what? I want to make sure that my life counts here on earth for eternity. When I meet my Lord and Savior and he replays my entire life, Right? Like a movie, we don't know how it's going to look, but we're going to see what he wrote in his book, what our life was supposed to look like and the way we chose to live our life. 
And I think many of us are going to say, man, he had so much more planned. I wish I would have pressed in. I wish I would have leaned in a little bit more. I wish I would have served a little bit more. I wish I would have helped a little bit more, but I was really consumed with some things. I should have just let go and trust, trusted the Lord with. And so again, change doesn't happen unless we're intentional, unless we take that time to evaluate ourselves. In fact, Paul doubles down on this idea. Well, first, let me just share this. This is our primary text. And this is out of 1 Timothy 4.16. It says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Let me just say this. Your calling, your destiny, the dreams that God has placed inside of your life— they're not just for you. There are other people that are going to be impacted as a result of you excavating everything that God has placed inside of you. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we watching our life and making intentional decisions to move towards those dreams, that calling that God has placed in us? Or are we of the mindset, I know God has something for me, but I'm just so busy working right now. I'm so busy with school. I'm so busy with all of my extracurricular activities. I'm going to get to that someday, but I don't have time for that right now. And if that is indeed the case, I can tell you that like the Pink Floyd song, uh, one day you'll find 10 years have got behind you. No one told you when to run. You missed the starting gun 10 years from now. You'll, you'll be looking at and saying, I haven't done anything to move the needle towards any of those dreams. I'm just now in my 30s and I'm further away from what I felt like God had placed in my heart. So we have to take control of our time rather than our time taking control of us. So we have to evaluate and grade our doctrine. We need to make sure that our doctrine is coming from the word of God. Super, super important, right? And we need to make sure that our lives are lining up with the word of God and what he's placed inside of our hearts. Paul doubles down on this idea in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. He says this, examine yourselves. So who's examining who? We are examining ourselves to see whether you are in the faith, test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how God tests us more so for us so he can reveal what's already inside us. God's not going to give you a calculus test when you're in algebra, right? He's going to give you an algebra test. And you know, when you get to calculus, which I never did, okay, um, he's going to give you a calculus test. But Paul is saying you should actually test yourself. Are you moving towards faith? Or are you moving towards doing things in your own strength? And really, you're the only one that's going to be able to answer that question. I want to just, that word examine yourselves, that word examine. What does that mean? I, I looked up the definition. It means to inspect someone or something, someone, in detail to determine their nature or condition to investigate thoroughly. So Paul is inviting us to examine ourselves, to investigate ourselves, to see if we are growing in our faith and in our walk with the Lord. 
But it's not just relegated to that. It's in all spheres of life. And so I want to take the next few moments to highlight a few key areas that every single one of us have in our life. And this is where we have to take off the projected image and we have to be honest with ourselves. And so the question we need to ask ourselves is, how is my faith? Am I doing things out of my own strength or am I actually activating my faith? Am I striving? Am I praying? Am I reading the Bible? If I ate as much as I read the Bible, would I still be here? Maybe I would hit my weight that I want. But we have to ask ourselves these questions. Because like I said, 10 years goes by and we haven't changed any of our disciplines. We haven't changed any of our appetites. And we find ourselves in the same condition that we were 10 years ago. Sometimes even worse. So the question, are we engaging our faith? And if so, how are you engaging your faith? And if you're not engaging your faith on a daily basis, how can you begin to engage your faith? How can you grow in that area? I would encourage each and every single one of you over the course of the holiday season, many of us are going to have more days off than normal, to take some time and to reflect and to ask yourself the question, am I growing in my faith? Number two, am I growing in my marriage? Are you flirting with your spouse? You should be. Are you pursuing them? Leaving them notes, you know, writing things on the mirror. Are you talking? Are you having conversations? I think I've shared this with you. Sometimes, man, at the end of the night, that's the last thing in the world I want to do is talk. And Jess is the kind of person when we have a long trip, she'll bust out her phone and she'll be like, I got a list of topics that we can talk about on the ride. And I'm like, ugh. Like, it makes me want to, but I know this is my wife's love language, right? And so I, I want to, because I love her and I care about her and this fills her tank, I want to make sure that we're talking about all these things. And we need to be talking about things because, you know, conversation fosters intimacy, which leads me to our next, you know, are you being intimate? And if not, why? And if not, why not? You got to be asking these questions and you got to be talking to your spouse about these things. You want to be growing in your marriage. Marriage is the only thing that people get like super weird about. If you had a business... And I said, oh my gosh, I just read this book on business. You need to read this. Like, it's really going to help you. You'd be like, oh my gosh, give it to me. I want to grow. Or if there was a conference in town, you got to go to this conference. It's going to help you think bigger. 10X, you know, whatever God's place in your heart. You definitely want to go. Everybody be like, tell me where the conference is. I'm going to be there. But the minute you try to give somebody advice on their marriage, the minute you try to give somebody a book on marriage, the minute you try to invite somebody to a conference on marriage, they, all of a sudden they kind of get folded arm. They go, oh, my marriage is good. I'm like, well, no one is saying your marriage isn't good, but it can be better. Remember Wonder Woman? Life is good, but it can be better, right? Remember that? It can be better. And so we need to grow in our marriage. And none of us have, have got to that level. We can continue to fall deeper in love with one another. So are you growing in your marriage? Number three, are you growing in your family? Are you taking your children out? for individual dates, spending one-on-one time 
with your kids? Are you turning off your phone to play board games, Monopoly, have conversations, play, you know, action figures, or play ball? These are things I've learned as a parent. We have our calendars fill up, and if we don't prioritize our kids, they just kind of get swept under the rug. And so Jess and I have had to be real disciplined, especially with six kids, to make intentional time. And that requires communication to spend one-on-one time with the kids and then collective time with the kids. You know, the other night, the last thing in the world that we had a busy week, the last thing in the world I felt like doing was watching the new Minions movie. I did not want to watch it. I don't know what it is. I'm getting older. I don't want to, like, some of the cartoons I just don't like. And how many Minion movies are they going to make? It's the same jokes. You know, like, every time they show a little bit of the Minions butt, the kids are just laughing hysterically. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, but it's not about me. It's about them. It's about getting down on their level. And if I don't take time out of my day to hear them talk about nothing, that when they're navigating something, they're not going to come to me. Does that make sense? So I create that discipline and that pattern of behavior by listening to their nothing or laughing. Oh, the minion's butt. Didn't see that one coming, you know? <laughs> and, and I start to, I build, I'm growing alongside them. So are you growing in your family? Don't beat yourself up if you haven't, if you haven't been making time, if you've been working your tail off. But just say, I got to prioritize my children and my work is going to fall in line. And at first it may feel like, well, I can't possibly squeeze away from work. Prioritize your family and God will work behind the scenes to make sure he'll work on people's hearts. He's done it all throughout scripture. Work. Are you answering emails right now while you're in church? <laughs> Are you working once you get home? Look, I love myself a smartphone, but really what it was was a way for us to be working even after we left work. And the buck's got to stop somewhere, guys. We got to draw some hard lines in the sand. And so whether that be a basket in your house at 6 o'clock, that phone goes in the basket and you ain't picking that sucker up until the morning, the world is going to be okay. Your bosses are going to be okay. And so those are conversations that we need to have. Our finances, you know, are we just continuing to run on empty paycheck to paycheck? And if we are running on empty paycheck to paycheck, what is the plan? People don't, fail to, people don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. You need a plan moving into the future. If you are in a situation, it's just paycheck to paycheck. We're barely scraping by. I've been there. We've all been there. But make a plan to head into the future. Build an emergency fund. Dave Ramsey has an amazing book and course. I would highly recommend it for every single person out there. I think it should be required reading for school. We should teach children about debt, the dangers of debt, how to build a savings account, how to snowball and, and to keep order of our, of our bills. But are you investing in the future? Because before you know it, you're going to be 60. And you might, you know, you're going to have to, do you want to be able to minimize the amount you have to work? And so these are things that you have to look at, evaluate, examine, and make a decision off of our attitude. You know, have you ever asked yourself the question, are you hard to be around? What do people think when your, phone, when your name pops up on their phone? You know, are people excited to answer the phone? Or are people like, oh, gosh, I got to talk to this guy? Seriously. 
We choose our attitude. The Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will means I choose to rejoice in today. I recognize that today is a gift, that there's not a lot of days. Paul says this life is but a vapor, so I'm going to make the most of every single day. And I'm going to do something to take a step towards moving the needle in my finances, with my children, with my marriage, at my work, my social life. Do you have friends? And if so, what are your friends like? I heard this quote, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Jesus hung out with sinners, but not to sin. He hung out with them so he could help them get out of the bondage of sin. And I believe if we're going to be healthy believers, we need to be hanging out with everyone. I really honestly believe that. But you need to ask yourself, are you hanging out with people that are dragging you down? And if you are, then you maybe need to limit the amount of time that you spend with them. You need to be around people that are going to challenge you. Jess and I had the opportunity to sit down with some of our mentors, our overseers, and we were just having dinner with them. They're 40 years ahead of the game with us, you know, than us, with their marriage, with, you know, raising children in the church world. And we were bringing up some of the issues that we're navigating. And man, they were just pouring out wisdom. And it just, it, it just poured out of them. They were just saying it nonchalantly, like, oh yeah, well, you got you to gotta make sure that you're doing this. And Jess and I were like, when you hear it, you're like, well, duh, that makes sense. But we didn't, we didn't think to do that. And so we need people in our life that are ahead of us so that we can learn from them. If you have like kids that are seven, eight, nine, you need some parents that are navigating teenagers. Or you need some parents that have navigated teenagers and are out of the house. And you need to glean from them. Mistakes aren't the best teacher. Somebody else's mistakes are. Because I can learn from your mistakes. So if you screwed up your kid, I want to talk to you so I can learn not to. But we need those, those relationships for the longest time. Jess and I didn't have anybody that was older than, we didn't have that like kind of that 50 to 60 age, those friends. And I remember we'd pray like regularly, God, please send the silver hair anointing into our life. Please send people that are further. I mean it. We needed, I resemble that. We needed those people in our life and we recognize that we need those. And God has been faithful to send those people into our life that we can learn from. Learn about marriage, learn about finances, learn about parenting. Our physical life. You know, the, the Bible says that our body is the temple of God. We have to take care of our temple. It amazes me that if, if we had like, I don't even know what a cool car is, but if we had like a, a $400,000 vehicle, you wouldn't just put junk regular gas in it, right? You'd put the premium stuff, right? Well, if you crash that car, you can get another car, but you can't get another body. We have to be good stewards of our body. And I'm not talking about you never eat a pie or a piece of cake. What I'm talking about is that you're just not eating that every single day. You're taking inventory of what you're putting into your body. A lot of the stuff that comes inside of a box or comes out of a a window at a fast food restaurant is probably not good for you. I'm not saying that you have to completely abstain from it and never eat it, but you got you to minimize the amount that it enters into your life. And you should be eating things that, you know, like you shot, that you, that you planted, 
right? And those are things that are going to nourish and take care of our body for the longevity because you want to be in this game as long as you can, but it doesn't just intentionally happen. And so we have to take care of our bodies. Are we eating for longevity? And if we're not, don't beat yourself up. Just start having conversations and making decisions about what you can change going into this new year or immediately to, make your, to give yourself a healthier diet. So the questions you need to be asking yourself as we head into Thanksgiving, as we head into Christmas, and these are biblical questions. Where do I need to grow? How do I need to grow? What am I doing well? And where do I need to improve? And when do I need to grow? And the answer to that question is now. You know, the, the psalmist reminds us in Psalm 90, 12, to treat each day as a gift. He says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. You know, time is the most valuable commodity on the planet. You can be the richest person in the world monetarily, but you have the same amount of time as the poorest person on the planet, right? And so time is actually the most valuable commodity. But we give our time here and there, binge watching, endless hours of Netflix. And again, this isn't an endorsement against Netflix. What I'm saying is we have to take an inventory of what we're dedicating and investing our time into. And actually, I think that would be healthy for you to change the way that you see spending your time and investing your time. You want to invest your time into your body. You want to invest your time into your finances. You want to invest your time into your children, into your spouse, into your friends, into the, into the dreams that God has placed in your life, not spending your time. Because once you spend it, it's gone. But when you invest, you get returns on that investment. Meaning your children, as they get into their adult years, are going to want to be around you because you've made time for them when they were young. Okay? You're running marathons, maybe, in your 50s because you watched what you ate in your 30s and 40s. Does it make sense? Okay, you're able to take a little bit more vacations when you get up there towards retirement age because you, were, because you invested your finances in something that was going to help it grow rather than spending your money on the latest 65-inch television or whatever because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. What I've realized is the older I get, the more intolerant I become about wasting my time. I hate wasting my time. I want to make my time count because I realize like I'm getting close to the halfway mark. And it's, it creeps up on you, man. I just ran a uh, 5K yesterday and I'm not 22 anymore. And time goes by quickly. And so I want to make sure that I'm investing my time into things that are going to matter, into people that are eternal, not just endlessly watching, you know, how many, just, here's the thing, like, I'm a, I'm a sucker for, like, Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster and all of that, but there's no more information about Bigfoot. All the information's already been in every single documentary I've consumed since I was growing up in the 80s. There's no new evidence. But yet, every time they have a documentary on Bigfoot, I'm like, this is it. This is it. Have you watched that new documentary? 
they found a footprint in Oregon and it looks promising. Okay, I'm a sucker for that stuff. But I, at a certain point, I got, I got to just, I got to push it to the side, man. I want to end with this and I can invite uh, the worship team back up here. Ecclesiastes 4, 6, it says this. Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. We live in a grind culture, right? All, all of a sudden, with the, with the boom of uh, social media, everybody has to have a job, a side hustle, something else they're pursuing, and we're just adding all of this stuff on. And if you think back at the time that you spent maybe with your grandparents, or maybe some of you, even your parents, there was a quietness. Yes, they worked hard. But then when they weren't working, they were completely unplugged. Maybe that's not everybody's story, but there is a truth above that generation that when they stepped away from that, there was a stillness. I remember thinking, how in the world can my mom and dad derive joy from sitting on the porch, just staring at each other and looking at the yard? Like how freaking boring. But they were at peace. They had enough. Yeah, they could have grind. They could have got a side hustle. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have supplemental income. I think those things are wise and they're important. But if they're taking up all of your time, you're going to find that both your hands are full, but you're chasing after everything and you're not enjoying life. And as I've gotten older, I just want, I desire that peace to be content. That I don't have to chase after the next thing. Well, I need that. I need an electric car now. Or, you know, I need a hologram phone if they invent those, you know? Because, you know, you got FaceTime, but I got hologram. I can see them like in a hologram. Like Obi-Wan Kenobi and R2-D2. It's just, it never ends, man. You just got to keep on getting the next thing. Have you figured it out by now? <laughs> They just got us chasing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, but there's something about, and here in the state of Maine, I feel like people, they understand that a little bit more. Like, I got what I need. I'm gonna invest in my relationships. And the greatest relationship that you can invest in is your relationship with God. Because he loves you and he cares for you. And that love, if you allow him to love you, is going to spill over into everything you do. And when something spills, it pushes away that anxiety and that depression and that fear, loneliness. When you realize God says, I'll never leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm always waiting to talk to you. I want to show you things. I got things planned for your life. Good things. An amazing future filled with hope. And I want to see you walk in that more than anyone. You're not going to lack. I don't want you to lack. But come to me. Don't strive and try to do things in your own strength. Be honest with where you're at. You're spinning five plates. You look like a clown. <laughs> Be at peace. And allow me to love you. The way a father loves his child. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray. If there's anyone in this room that says, Matt, you know, as you were talking, you know, the only reason I'm here is because someone drugged me. Not literally like drug, like put something in your drink, but like drug your arm and brought you here. 
That is an effective way to get people to church, but it's the wrong way. It's the wrong way. But you say, you know, just listening to you, I, I want a relationship with God. I want to grow in those areas that you were highlighting. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It doesn't say you might be saved. It doesn't say you could be saved. It says you will. So if there's someone in this room today that says, you know what, I want to know that I have a relationship with the creator of the universe, I want you to raise your hand and I want to lead you in a prayer. And you can put those hands down most beautiful decision that you can make. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. And that word repent, it gets a bad rap. It's actually the most beautiful word in all of the Bible. It means to walk away from your ish, the the mess that you made in your life, and just embrace his word. And just say, you know what, God, I tried it my way, and I made a mess. I'm going to do things your way. And that doesn't make you perfect the first day, the first week, the first month, the first year, the first 10 years. It just means you've completely given yourself to him. And then no matter what, you're gonna, he's always going to have your heart. And so I want you to, everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge my sin before you. And I repent of my wickedness. I embrace the truth of your word above what I see, feel, and experience. Jesus, I give you my heart. I submit to your lordship. Everything I have is yours. And now I want to pray for you. Lord, you saw the sincerity of the hearts in this room, the hands that went up. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch these people in a tangible way that the enemy would never be able to talk them out of, that they had an encounter with the creator of heaven and earth. And I pray that you would flood their hearts and their minds with your love for them personally. And I pray that your grace would be multiplied in their life. If you made that decision today and you don't have a Bible, We have a Bible. We want to get you set on the right track. If you don't have a home church, then we want to say this is your home church. We want to welcome you in. Just like when Jess gave birth to our sixth child, we didn't just send him out into the world. We come alongside him to make sure that he has what he needs. Even when he's acting like a little punk, we're still making sure that he has everything he needs. So we want to be there for you as you have questions and as you're excavating this new and wild relationship that you have with the Lord. We want to be there for you. So have an amazing Thanksgiving. Take inventory, examine yourself, giving glory to God. I can't wait to see you next week. Until then, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to the Pines Church Podcast, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.